Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We're so, so close to the return of La Liga with Sevilla versus Betis getting us back underway on Thursday, June 11th. Kick-off, remember, at 10pm Spanish time. I'm Hugh McTeer and I'm delighted to be hosting this preview podcast ahead of the final 11 rounds. It's actually our second preview podcast as we already released one which contained all of the fan voices as we got the thoughts of one fan for each of the 20 teams in Spain's top division. So go check that one out. But for this episode, I'm joined by La Liga Lowdown regulars, Roman de Arquer and Paco Pollitt. How are you both? And how have you both been coping over these past three months without any live football? <laughs> very, very well. Very excited, finally, to be able to talk some football after so many weeks. And uh, I guess we're less excited than the fans themselves because they have been desperate for football content, but but pretty excited overall for for being able to do what we love the most. Yeah, it's been hard three months, it has to be said, you know, being at home, not being able to watch football and especially not being able to play football is also something that some of us haven't been able to enjoy. It's been difficult, I guess, not having football for such a long time. I mean, we're always used to it in summer where there's, you know, the typical pause where everyone's worried about their own things because in the end people are in their vacations, in their holidays, they don't really worry. But this time we just had nothing to do, you know, being at home. Uh, waiting for something that wasn't really happening or you didn't know what was going to happen was was quite strange to be honest and we know how how important football is here to fans in Spain it's it's the biggest sport there is in this country and and when football comes back you can already tell there's you know more excitement people are smiling even more so it's something uh, we're glad to have back finally. So football is coming back after three months. Roman, what have you thought of La Liga's attempts and efforts to bring football back? Not all fans are happy that it's back, obviously having to come back behind closed doors. So have La Liga gone about this in the right way, do you think? 
Well, I mean, it's something they've been working on for the last few months, of course, since uh, football stopped immediately uh, after they were already talking about it uh, um, coming back or about it being cancelled, etc, etc. So it's always been a very hot topic. And it has to be said, at first, when all this started here in Spain, it seemed very premature to be talking about La Liga coming back. But uh, they were convinced it could happen. They were saying that they were going to try whatever it took, you know, to, to let the competition go on. And from my point of view, I think that was just not the right time, maybe, because, you know, a lot of people were getting sick, a lot of people were passing away, and it was a very delicate situation. But now, a few, after a few months, it seems that things are getting better. And in the end, I think it's much needed, not only for football and for the fans, but for the economy as well. Football is really important here in Spain, as I mentioned before. And so you can understand that at the beginning, uh, fans weren't really convinced about the decision of going back. But now, seeing that everything is getting a bit better here in Spain, it kind of makes sense. And it seems like they've really worked hard on making it uh, go on properly. You know, they've, they have a, a plan. Everything's really calculated, it seems. And if it go, everything goes according to what they've planned out, it should be fine. And hopefully we'll be able to enjoy football without any more cancellations or postponements or whatever. And it'll be a very different kind of football, won't it? Paco, um, can you explain to us some of the things that will be different about football when it comes back? Behind closed doors, of course, but what else will be unique about this stretch of 11 match days? Well, you said it. The, the main point to discuss is obviously the, the absence of the fans in the grounds. It's something that I have already experienced this season in, in Valencia's game against Atalanta at Mestalla, and it was an absolute disaster for the home team. Uh, watching those huge stadiums empty is going to be quite shocking for, for the fans, and especially the spooky feeling of loneliness of the players, being able to listen to every single yell, sentence, cursing or grunt, thanks to the mics uh, placed very closely to, to the pitch. We will be able to listen to the managers delivering orders in the sidelines. We will see plenty of amusing examples of the new normal, when players who are expected to have zero physical contact suddenly challenge or tackle or, or push or kick the opposition and later lend them a hand to get back to their feet. Uh, it doesn't make sense. And we will see plenty of masks around, worn by players, by staff, by the kids in the silence too. I don't know, may maybe... Um, I think that many things are going to change. And I am actually very intrigued on the way it will have an impact on the actual development of the games. For example, we've seen in Bundesliga that many away teams have managed to pick up points lately and increase the, the percentage of, of points being picked up uh, when playing away from home because of not having, you know, the loudness and the, the atmosphere inside the stadiums. And I expect something similar to happen also in Spain. So that's an interesting point you make. Some of the different things we'll see. I feel sorry for Barcelona assistant Eder Sarabia, who got the lip reader's treatment before all this and had his every shout and every instruction from the classical written up and printed out. Imagine if there's now microphones nearby the dugout and the silence to be able to hear everything. Although at least if he's wearing a mask, then it'll be more difficult for the lip readers. So he could be one of the winners or maybe one of the losers of this. What about the teams though? Which teams do you think will benefit the most from the break and these new circumstances? Um, mainly, I believe, teams who were on a bad dynamic before the break. Uh, for example, Real Madrid 
They lost some steam in the race after winning Barca and beating Barca 2-0. They lost a, a bit of, of, of um, I don't know, of their momentum in their race for the title. And I think the, the, the break is going to benefit them. Or, or even Valencia, who have a great chance of turning things around after a streak of defeats back in February against Real Sociedad, against Getafe, 3-0 both games, against Atalanta twice. And they also have... For example, uh, they had the, the luxury of, of getting their most informed striker back. Uh, Maxi Gomez wasn't supposed to play uh, normal games this season because of injury, and uh, he has been able to uh, return in, in form in time, just in time for these last 11 games. So I think teams in the relegation spots might also benefit, for example, Espanyol, because when you're bottom of the league or in the last places, it's very, very difficult to do worse, and you can only look up and climb in the standings. Yeah, I have to agree with Paco in, in what he said, you know, those teams with a bad dynamic now have an opportunity to start fresh. And I think Espanyol is a great example of that because we've seen how poorly they were doing right at the bottom, uh, trying hard, but they just couldn't find their rhythm. And maybe now after this pause, they have that possibility of, you know, starting over again and getting those results they need. Also, another team I thought which might... Um, do best with this break is Real Sociedad who were playing great but you could see they were quite fatigued at this point of the competition also with all that Copa del Rey hustle they've been having so uh, this little break will also be very beneficial to them and also I'd point out Barcelona of course because we had that change of manager halfway through the season and we were saying that Setien maybe didn't have enough time to implement all the ideas he wanted to transmit to the players so maybe now He's had them this extra period of time to do that. And finally, I would give a more general opinion of teams who are performing uh, poorly away from home, such as maybe Betis or Atletico, who only got three wins away, now might not struggle as much, taking into account that the fans are not in the stadium. So that could be beneficial to teams like those, for example. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if the teams who struggled away from home can get better away form, but at the same time, try to maintain any home advantage that they might have enjoyed. I agree as well that Real Madrid and Real Sofidad could benefit, but for slightly different reasons, Real Madrid, I think, will benefit because they have such a deep squad, and if you can now do five substitutions per game, then that's going to be an advantage for them. Real Sofidad, they have a really, really young squad, so if you're playing games every three or four days, then maybe they've got the energy to do that. Unlike Hidhafi, on the other hand, who have so many players over 30 and who, who could struggle in that sense. So, which teams do you both think will struggle the most from the break in the season and the new circumstances? Roman, let's go to you first. Well, in this case, I think it's going to be a bit the opposite. Um, those which have more home games, for example, like Atletico de Bilbao or Sevilla, I think they could be affected because we also know that they have a very intense fan base. And when you go to those stadiums, uh, the teams visiting tend to struggle very much. And maybe another example could also be um, Osasuna, who don't have as many home games, but we know that, that the, their stadium was you know, their main hub of, of obtaining points. So right now, without uh, all the pressure that there is at El Sadar, that might be uh, very harmful for Osasuna. So it's hard to say it's still at this point, because of course, there's a lot of question marks behind what's going to happen. Also, it depends on how teams are physically, if they get a lot of injuries, etc. But maybe those few teams I mentioned could be some of the ones that might struggle now when we return. 
Yeah, I, I agree with Roman. Uh, my argument has to be, it needs to be the opposite to the to the one I, I had earlier. Uh, teams who were very informed before the break, they might have a, a very challenging time. They might struggle going back to, to old habits. I'm, I'm speaking, for example, uh, you guys mentioned Barca earlier. I, I think that um, even after losing against Real Madrid, they had gone for the last five. So they are the, the top of the league. They have the pressure to keep winning. And I don't really think it's going to be that easy. Many people think that they are going to coast on, on many of those games because of their superior quality, but the, I think they're going to struggle. Also, um, you mentioned Getafe, for example. Uh, let's see those teams who don't have the depth of squad, if they are able to keep up with the demands of, of the calendar we have ahead of us. Um, I think the, the teams with short squads uh, who didn't plan to last summer to compete on three competitions in La Liga and Copa del Rey, also Europa League or, or European competitions, they are going to struggle because they are going to have to play every three or four days. Expect trouble for Granada, for Eibar, for Valladolid, for Athletic Club even, uh, who also will have in, will have uh, Aduriz missing because he just underwent surgery. Some of those teams are going to have a very tough time ahead of them because playing every three days, if you don't have the proper squad to and the proper tools to do it, it's going to be very, very demanding on the physical side of the players. Absolutely, and we'll watch on with anticipation to see which teams are the winners and which are the losers. We're going to take a short break now, after which we'll come back and discuss the title race, the European qualification fight and the relegation battle. That's coming up after this short pause. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm Hugh McTeer and I'm joined by Roman de Arker and Paco Pollitt. Let's now talk about the La Liga title race, guys. In the round just before the coronavirus paused the league, where the change at the top, Barcelona went ahead of Real Madrid by beating Real Sociedad in the same weekend as their rivals lost to Real Betis. So Barcelona boast a two-point lead now. Roman, I know that lockdown means you're not on the street and out and about as much, but what whispers are you hearing around Barcelona on the title race, what's the mood? Well, obviously, Barcelona have good chances because they are leaders, and now it depends on Madrid having to, you know, cut back those, those points and recover uh, the advantage. But um, honestly, on a personal level, I think Barcelona, are, as Paco said before, are going to have a, a tough time in the end. Although their Setien has had time to implement those ideas I mentioned before and all that. It's still going to be tricky because during this whole season, Barca have been going through lots of ups, ups and downs, internal beefs in, in, with the squad, with the uh, directives, etc., etc. So it hasn't been an easy season. And in terms of the, the way they've been playing, it, 
hasn't been great either. Uh, Paco was deceived with Valencia's performances and I was a bit deceived with Barca's performance, I have to say. Even though there might have been a slight improvement in a few games with Setien, but still there's th still so much to, to improve on and I'm sure Barca are going to drop lots of points. Um, well, maybe not lots of points, but they're going to drop points uh, now and then in these next 11 games. And Madrid are going to drop them too. So, I mean, it's going to be a really close battle. And I think it's also going to end as it ended until now, you know, with a two, three, four point difference at the end of the, the league. So it's definitely going to be very interesting to see which of those two teams can finally, you know, push ahead and, and win the title. And you, Paco, would you agree? Yeah, I think um, in the same way he does, I think it's very difficult to predict this one because we haven't had the chance to see how the players have returned to training after being confined uh, inside their homes for two months. Um, in Barca's case, for example, they have gotten lucky with Luis Suarez's injury and he will be ready to play, whereas under regular circumstances he would never have played a single remaining game this season and in Real Madrid's case it seems the whole squad is informed they, they got Marco Asensio back they got uh, it seems Gareth Bale with his usual uh, physical uh, problems Eden Hazard for example who has suffered physically throughout the season is back uh, I think Luka Jovic is the only player with some problems so I think the title is up for grabs this season the matchless remainings are pretty similar for both sides and I think it will depend on how well they adapt to the physical demands of playing so many games in so little time. I would say Real Madrid have a slight edge physically, but again, Barca like to play under Kike Setien with ball possession. And the players who play this way don't run around and, and uh, wear off around so many. Uh, they, they keep their physical status a bit more intact. So it's going to be very balanced. My answer is pretty simple. It will be up to what Leo Messi does in re the remaining games because he can topple the the the, the balance in, in favour of one or another. Absolutely. As always, Messi will certainly have a say. Let's, um, let's talk about the European race now. It's so tight. Sevilla in third on 47 points, Real Sociedad in fourth on 46, Hitafi in fifth, also on 46, and Atletico Madrid in sixth on 45 points, and Valencia in seventh on 42 points, they aren't far behind either. So what do you think, Paco? What about Valencia's chances? Can they climb up? Well, as I'm Valencia-based, I, I tend to look everything um, from the Valencia perspective and see how it's going to affect the, the club. Um, Valencia's chances have increased due to the fact that the seventh place will surely go to Europa League next season. Uh, everyone knows that Real Sociedad and Athletic Club agreed on playing the Copa del Rey final whenever the authorities see it fit for fans to be inside the stadium. They don't want to snatch the possibility of enjoying live a Copa del Rey final to both of their fan bases. So that means it will probably happen after La Liga season is over. So that means the seventh place this year will go to the Europa League and it won't be for the Copa del Rey winner as we had in the uh, in the regulations this, this season. Valencia have quite a lot of ground to cover if they want to end in the first four spots because remember, Valencia's aim is still getting into the fourth place or the third place. I actually did some math during the break and more or less guesstimated that they need around 22 or 23 points out of 33 to do it. Uh, again, that's a guesstimation, not not real numbers, but uh, it's you know it points at the direction of Valencia having to win plenty of games out, out of the eleven remaining to get to that to that spot. The challenge is going to be huge for them. 
especially as you had in the middle Atleti right inside the middle of the fray and they will lose not many games as everyone knows and you also have Getafe and Real Sociedad they have showed lots of consistency this season up to this point uh, um, and they didn't do that last year for example Getafe fell apart in the last two three games and Valencia were under Marcelino were able to snatch that fourth spot in the 2018-2019 I expect as I said earlier many upsets from abroad sides due to the absence of fans inside the stadiums and we have seen that in the Bundesliga so right now I see the favorites more or less in the order they have in the in the table I see Sevilla Real Sociedad and Getafe as favorites for one of those two Champions League spots and we shouldn't forget Villarreal because they are standing eighth and with the return of the mighty Bruno Soriano back to training after a three-year absence due to his injury uh, he won't be able to play but that is going to be very very important to for the morale of his teammates so don't count on Villarreal in the race for the seventh place and Roman, what do you think about it? Who's getting Champions League and who's getting Europa League? Well, I mean, asking at this stage, as we said, it's very difficult, you know, because there's so many, many things we, unanswered and how our teams can actually be at the same level or not. But if I had to pick a, the team, for example, to go to the Champions League, I think... Um, Sevilla looks strong. Real Sociedad, if they keep that level, they should be there. And you never know with Atletico de Madrid, although they haven't been at their best. You know, they're, they're a classic in the Champions League. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, at the end they made it past Getafe and Real Sociedad, for example, and got that last spot for the Champions League. And then Europa League, as Paco said, Villarreal could also be uh, one of the teams to keep in mind with Valencia and um, Getafe, etc., of course. And also Granada has the same points. Yes, yeah, thir yes. 38, as many as uh, Villarreal. And they've had a wonderful season, it has to be said, because at the beginning, some of us were saying they might even go down to Segunda División. But look at how well they're doing. They've impressed everybody. And who knows, maybe that magical moment comes for them and they make it to Europa League positions. I would also like to ask that uh, I think Imanol Alguacil um, and Diego Martinez, they are, I think, the two managers who are fighting for that uh, rebel revelation coach of the year. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's it's very smart by, by Roman to mention Granada because the job he has done with the tools he had at his disposal, it's it's amazing. And I think it's one of the biggest stories of, of the season, even if the break uh, some, some way... Uh, cut short their momentum, but I think they're going to do well after, after the, the league is back. Yes, they've been great all year, and why can't they be great over the final month? Let's now discuss the relegation battle. It's Espanyol 20th, Leganes 19th, and Real Mallorca 18th. How do you see this one going? Which teams will go down, and do you see any of these three climbing out? Roman, what do you think? Well, I think at this stage... It's, as I said before, it's a fresh start, so any of them, I think, can actually pull out, even though Espanyol do have a very big leap, because it's six points to get to seven, 17th at the moment, where Celta are, and that's definitely very complicated, but, um, you know, hopefully they've renewed their mentality, their mood is different. Um, even though the squads in the end are the same, maybe they can still break through that psychological barrier that was affecting them uh, during this first most big part of the season but of course if they want to manage this they're going to have to react very quickly it can't happen in two or three games they have to already get points from the first uh, match day since returning to La Liga but as we said also there's Valladolid there's Eibar there's Celta they're all in the mix so I think anything can happen and I think there will be surprises it probably won't be those three going down I think um, some changes are going to take place for sure 
Well, obviously, I've been uh, paying close attention throughout the season due to Levante's positioning uh, in the in the table. They seem to be clear from danger, eight points over the, the relegation zone. But I think they shouldn't relax as, for example, in Levante's case, they are going to uh, be the main stars of an exodus. Uh, going to Alicante, Lanucia is going to be their main uh, ground for the remaining games because, as you know, Levante's ground is uh, undergoing um, reformation of the of the uh, covering of the stadium, the stands, everything, um, and that process has uh, forced Levante to go outside their own ground and going 150 kilometers south uh, until the small uh, village of La Nucia. They're going to play their the remaining games. Let's see the way they adapt to that to that ground. It's a, a very big uh, ground. I've been there actually a few years ago. And I've seen uh, its possibilities. But overall, I think Levante are clearly for danger. I think that Betis won't suffer because they have the same points in the in the table nowadays, 33. I also think Alaves should be more or less uh, able to win those games in Mendizorroza because it's not that much the atmosphere over there. But Mendizorroza is a, a smaller stadium, a smaller ground, and they take advantage of that. But as Roman said earlier, I think that Valladolid, Eibar, Celta, they shouldn't uh sleep around in the remaining games because Mallorca have showed they can win anywhere Leganes have shown under El Vasco Aguirre they can also do that and especially Espanol I have plenty of trust in Raul de Tomás in RDT and I think he, he can be dynamite in the remaining 11 games and, and save Espanol, the great save for, for the Pericos, because five points, six points isn't that much. It's only two games. So I think it's going to be the most interesting relegation battle in the last season. I'm really interested to see what Mallorca will do. We said earlier that some of the teams who have been bad away from home can suddenly maybe pick up points on the road. And Mallorca just got their first away win of the season in Eibar before the stoppage. So let's see what they can do. And of course... For their home games, they're on an island, so it's going to be a pretty big trip for all their opponents who still have to come and visit them. So maybe that sees them retain some sort of home advantage. I've got one more question then I'd like to ask both of you before we wrap up. Can you both give me one bold prediction? One thing you think could happen that would be quite surprising? In my case, Atleti falling short of the Champions League and finishing fifth. That would be pretty mind-blowing, especially as we learned the news a few days ago of Mono Burgos leaving at the end of this season uh, and to become a, a first training, a first trainer, a, a, an elite coach, and leaving uh, Simeone's shadows after ten years. I think that um, is, isn't going to be a, 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 a crucial factor in, in this in this sense, but I think that Atleti might. Uh, not be able to do it because the other teams in the race Sevilla, Getafe, Real Sociedad, even Valencia themselves um, they are they are uh, they have the potential to to ruin Atleti's season and uh, let's see what happens with the championship but I think Atleti falling short of European uh, spots and falling short of that fourth place and ending fifth or sixth I think it would be a pretty big upset I'll go for for Espanol saving themselves. It's going to be it's a tough call because of course they have a, a long way to go, but I think they can do it. I, I like their squad. As Paco said, Raúl de Tomás is a fantastic striker. Um, if they just can get you know a few few wins, a good um, streak, and start getting those points they need, I think they should save themselves. And they've they're a team we're used to seeing in Primera División, so it would be very awkward not to have them um, next season playing in La Liga. 
I like them both. I'm going to go for Granada getting into Europe. I think at the start of the season I had them finishing bottom, but I've been completely changed. I'm a born-again Granada believer, and why not? Why not get into Europe with some more impressive performances these next few weeks? Well, back on Roman, thanks for your time. It's good to talk to you both about football again. Yeah, well, it's it's been a pleasure, and I think that everyone is right now on the same page of the book. We are desperate for for the ball to be kicked around once again, for the games to kick off in a few days. Uh, I think fans have been desperate to, to enjoy their passion. I'm also very happy for colleagues and, and mates who will be able to get back to business and cover the games and, and make a living. And I am also extremely happy for La Liga Loda, for the whole squad, because everyone, uh, we love Spanish football and, and I think we can't wait to, to finally deliver those matchday recaps, to be running around trying to deliver the, the podcast in time and uh, and also the, the quality content that, that people have grown used to to listen every single week. Yeah, I wanted to say that despite not having any fans at the stadium, which of course is a setback for a lot of people who enjoy being there and of course watching the games, you have all the, the fans there, it, it's, it makes a difference. But at the same time, we are going to have a dream scenario where we're playing game after game after game after game and that's something I don't think we've ever had. So that's going to be fantastic to enjoy, you know, La Liga non-stop that's going to be amazing so looking forward to that I'm looking forward to talking to you guys often about uh, the four upcoming match days of course and remember we have also released another preview podcast where we spoke to 20 fans one for each La Liga team go check that out as well if you'd like to get completely up to date ahead of La Liga's return this Thursday with the Seville Derby also we have uh, content on LaLigaLowdown.com and on our La Liga Lowdown Twitter account we've got injury updates there for example. But that's all from us just now. Thanks a lot for listening.